0: This week on the in-depth podcast, Adrian Peterson, one of the best running backs in NFL history.
1: My motivation on wanting to be the best to ever do it.
0: His rise to the top came with trials and tribulations throughout his childhood, including the death of his brother and the incarceration of his father.
1: It really pushed me to be world um, fast. I found that um, you know, university it builds character. We met up with Peterson
0: for a third time in the show's history when we went to Houston, Texas in 2016. Peterson was two years removed from a media firestorm following his decision to punish his young son, leading to criminal charges and a suspension from the NFL.
1: I get it. I understand that it's bigger than Adrian Peterson. It's politics.
0: Peterson hasn't played since 2021 and hasn't officially retired from the NFL, but our conversation began looking back on a memorable injury that spurred an iconic comeback. December 24th, 2011, Christmas Eve, Vikings Redskins. Uh, you get hit uh, in. well, a 200 pound man dives into your planted knee from the left side. Take it from there.
1: Whew, man. I, I knew initially, like, I knew my leg was was pretty much banged up, pretty bad. You know, um, I knew I had tore something. I didn't know exactly what it was, um, but I just remember just the pain it was uh, uh, at the moment and initially too how it happened it was unbearable. It was just part of the worst pain I, I felt, and um, you know, so I remember the guys running out, Eric Sugarman like, what's going on, bud, what's, what's wrong? Like, they're trying to touch me, I'm like, don't touch me. Just let me, you know, let me, let me get my bearings, let me. So I remember sitting up and the doctor came out, checked the knee and it was like, you know, the ACL is tore, you know, so. Ah, I'm just, I'm sick to this, I'm sick to my stomach, you know, we're having a terrible season, you know, it's, it's you know, it's, um, the season is almost over, you know, and here I am you know, have torn my ACL. You know, so but I remember, by the time I got off the field, I remember standing up, you know, getting up and getting helped off the field, and they uh, set me on the court to take me back to the uh, to the, to the locker room. And I remember telling myself then, you know, you gotta bounce back from this. You know, so already, yeah, already. So I feel like that was the the biggest thing that I could have done that helped me through that process was was. Even though I was in that moment, and it it was like anyone else, they probably would have handled it a different way. you know. But I feel like the fact that I was able to kind of put some positive energy into that moment uh, helped me come out the way I did.
0: Well, and that's what's interesting too about it, because most patients or players, when they have similar injuries, will wait weeks before having surgery to let the swelling go down. You wait only six days. Why do that? And what were the increased risks associated with it?
1: Well, um, I didn't have any increased risks at all because my knee really, it really didn't swell, you know? So that was something that was shocking to, you know, the trainers and the doctors as well, that they didn't see really no immediate swelling, you know, so that's why. Yeah, Nothing? No. Okay. no. Um, so that's why I was able to go ahead and go forth with getting the surgery. Six days out there. It's a heck of a way to
0: spend the New Year, right?
1: It was, it was, but uh.
0: But you had your ice cream. I, had, I remember I had my, your I had New Year's Bell, yeah,
1: you know, blueberry ice cream. So that makes everything um, better, and uh, it was just uh, for me. It was just like, okay, now the the hard part is is pretty much over with. Getting the surgery, now the journey begins. to, Come back.
0: But isn't, th- I mean, that isn't the easy part getting the surgery and then the hard part is what starts.
1: No, for me, the easy part was, was you know, was just doing the work, you know, like the first six weeks was hard, you know. Because
0: um, you couldn't do anything. Because I right? really
1: couldn't do anything. But the surgery wasn't, it really, you know, that, that was, it was more rough because just the pain and then the first couple of weeks, just going through that like mentally, the first couple of weeks of after that surgery were really trying. Like I really was tested during that time.
0: The toughest part of the
1: whole rehab process for you would have been what? Like two weeks after the surgery, you know, because during that time, that's when the swelling was there and you have increased pain. And there was only like one or two exercises that I was able to do, you know, lifting your leg up, you know, just to kind of keep the the muscles, you know, working and firing, Um, but, That was the toughest time because it was just like, during that time, you have all these thoughts that, you know, um, the weaker one throws your direction, you know, and you, you you know, you bat them away or whatnot, but during that time, if I was just weak-minded and I could have easily gave in and been like, you know what, this is a lost cause. You know, I'm not going to bounce back from this, you know, all this pain, like, I can't even walk. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, how are you going to come back from this? You know, so after a couple of weeks. Did that cross your mind at all? Yeah, of course. Yeah, those thoughts definitely crossed my mind, but I didn't let them sit there and I do not let them, you know, build a house. You know, they just passed through. You know, I kept casting them down.
0: Week 17, you need 208 yards to break Eric Dickerson's uh, single season rushing record, which is remarkable to consider. A year earlier, you have potentially a career-ending injury a year later. You could have the best running back, or the best season of any running back in history. How confident were you at that point, Week Seventeen, that you were going to break it?
1: I was uh, very confident. I was, you know, and but you know, going into that game, I told myself that you know, the record doesn't matter. We need that. Oh, game. Oh come on! No, I, no. I know. Seriously, you I, wanted I, that record. I bad, wanted it. I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't want it. 'Cause I did. Trust me, oh, yeah. I won it and I still want it to this day right. and I'm gonna get it. Um, but at that moment it was it was it wasn't for me, it wasn't about me at the time because that particular game, we needed that game to cleanse, you know, a playoff work. You know, if we lost that game and I broke his record. It really didn't mean anything. You know, a great individual accomplishment, but you know, the team is going home. So I remember I remember going into that game and telling myself to go out there and play. And if it's meant to happen, then it'll happen. You know, so I'm a big believer in that. If something's meant to happen, then it'll happen. So that's how I was able to focus on helping my team and not focusing on trying to break Eric Dickinson's record.
0: You're tied at 34 in the fourth quarter. You have a 26-yard run. What are you thinking at that point?
1: I'm thinking I <laughs> get to the end zone. You know, get to the end zone. I didn't know where I was as far as yardage or anything like that. But, you know, I was thinking of getting to the end zone. Now hindsight, when I look back and I see that I was, you know, a couple yards short, it's like, man, I should've cut this way. You know, I should've cut that way, you know what I'm saying? But it
0: all worked out, we won the game. You said um, you still, I mean, really want the record. Mm-hmm. What motivates you now?
1: Yeah, just, um Just to be the best, you know. Just to be the best of what I do, Um, and along with that, you know, break records as well, you know. So that's a record. You know, Eric Dickerson was a guy that you know I looked up to. I love his running style. You know, people compared me to him. um, Been from East Texas and and things like that. So um, to break one of his records that has stood for so long, you know, um, that would be a great accomplishment. You know, so. Just my motivation on wanting to be the best to ever do it, and um, you know breaking records during that process is the only thing that keeps me motivated to to get it. What are your personal goals? Uh, for first and foremost, winning a championship. You know, starting off with one, then you know, guys wouldn't have an opportunity to win multiple championships. You know, and then.
0: Do you find you want a championship more now as time passes? Mm-hmm. with you being in the league?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, looking back to 2009 <clears throat> NFC Championship game and, you know, just knowing after that game, even though we lost, like, okay, we'll be back next year, you know, or we'll be back the year after that. And um, we haven't been back to the NFC Championship game since, you know? So it kind of, it makes you realize that, you know, it goes fast, you know, you got to make sure that you you know, live in that moment and take advantage of it. Of course, you know, um, you know, being a Hall of Fame player, being voted into the Hall of Fame.
0: Um, I mean, that's a foregone conclusion now.
1: <laughs> it's still, a, it's still a lot of work for me to do. You know, so.
0: Um, well, right, because
1: you just don't want to be a Hall of Fame
0: player. You want to be the best ever. Exactly.
1: Right. So that's why I say it's still a lot of work for me to do. Of course, Emmitt Smith record is up there, 18, whatever it is, and um, that's something that I want to. That milestone, I want to reach that one and surpass it, as well. Do you feel
0: as you're getting older, the, like the body is, you know, different? After you know, it takes longer to recover or hurts
1: more on Monday mornings or anything like that. No, and I can sit here and you know, thank God for that. You know, the body still you know rejuvenates fast. Um, don't feel any aches or anything like that. You know. Um, still a normal time to recover and after a game. um, I feel great.
0: And why do you think that, what do you think it is from the players you've talked to who have been great, but then there's a pretty quick drop-off. What have they told you changes? Mm -hmm. Because for some, I'd imagine the work ethic and the dedication stays the same, but the...
1: I guess like the love for the the game is is always one thing, you know, kind of lose that love and that passion. Um, for the game, you know, of course some, you know, say as far as, you know, the body just wouldn't, you know, corroborate. Um, uh, those pretty much like two of, the, two of the main things, you know. Um, so you look at a guy like Ray Lewis and you see how long he played and um, what level he played at as well. You know, that's, that's like motivation for me to see those guys be able to do the things that he was able to do. You know, you look at a guy on my team right now, like Terrence Newman, you know, he's what, he's about to be 38 here soon. And he's playing at a high level. How many interceptions did he have last year? You know, so um, Brett Favre, you know, Randy Moss. You know, Randy Moss still can play to this day, you know, if he wasn't so outspoken. (laughs) You think that? Yeah. Which I love that about him. Right. Um, But, so all those guys are motivation to me, you know, because I have that same the same vision to be able to do this for a long time. And I think what it it goes back down to, what it boils down to is this, you taking care of your body, you know, and putting the work to be able to go out there and, you know, still be above these youngsters that come in, you know? So that's what I try to do, you know, you know, every year we have young guys come down and work out with us and, I've yet to have any guys, young guys, outwork me, you know. So that's motivation in itself as well.
0: You said before how your parents disciplined you when you were growing up. You really felt like had a positive impact on your success today.
1: Mm-hmm. How so? Um, you know, this growing up the way that I grew up and in um, you know, a small town um, with a great you know, family base, a lot of family as well. You know, I've got uncles over here, aunties over here from both sides of family, and you got cousins. Um, so we always, we, we stayed into stuff, you know. You can, you got, you know, four or five teenage or, you know, young man, you know, boys especially. You know, you always find things to get into and things happen, you know. So I, um, you know, I often think back on the times where discipline had to come into play. And, um, you know, how I felt about it then, and as I got older, how I was able to look back and see how that affected different decisions that I made throughout my life, you know, and um, how it shaped me to be, you know, more of a stand-up guy and, you know, to try to, to do the right things, you know, so. Um, when I look back on it, I, I'm for sure, like I know, you know, the discipline that I received helped me become the, the person that I am today.
0: And you guys, I mean, I think you had to pick out your own yeah. switches at yeah. time, right? Yeah. Like what would, give me a, an example.
1: Uh, yeah, you pick out your own switch, just go out, you know, and grab a, a little switch off the tree, you know, pull the leaves off and you know, you, you would get, you know, spanked with it if you, you know, act up too much, you know. So um, I know back in, <laughs> we got, when I was growing up and I know like my mom and stuff too, they, they got worked with like extension cords. Extension cords with well.
0: extension cords?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't feel good at all. <laughs> but there's a switch, you know, it, um, it's a sting to it. And uh, it makes you get some act right.
0: How well do you remember the time? I think you're at school, and your dad comes. You do something. He takes off his belt and gives you a whooping in front of mm-hmm. like, you know, twenty other
1: students. <laughs> My dad coached to AU basketball, and um, <clears throat> and he used to pick up guys from the surrounding areas. And I had did something in school. I I knew he didn't forget about it. You know, and I, I knew I was gonna gonna spanking. I just didn't know the timing of it and when it was going to happen. I remember getting out of the car saying bye to the fellas. They was older, like three or four years, older than me. So, you know, I always thought it was cool because I was hanging with those guys, you know, so. I come around, I get out the car and I'm coming around the front and he hops out. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, you know. He said, walk back and st- stand in front of the car. <laughs> so I'm like, what you been standing in front of the car for? And he went on talking about the situation and what I had done and you know, how it was just embarrassing, you know? Um, and, you know, pretty much gave me his whole little spill, you know? So he was like, you know, since you want to embarrass me, let me see how you like, you know, to be humiliated, you know? So I sat there in front of the car, you know, pulled my pants down, you know, waved, at the, waved at the guys <laughs> as, as he spanked me it was a little humiliating and embarrassing. Um, So that was a lesson for me, it was learned. You
0: uh, obviously swatted your uh, then four-year-old son with the switch, and it was uh, his injuries, I think, that led to you pleading guilty to the reckless assault charge. To what extent, if at all, looking back now, do you feel it crossed the line?
1: Um, You know, I would think that, um, you know, any parent wouldn't intentionally, you know, harm their child. You know, and in my case, um, that was definitely, you know, what it was. It was purely trying to discipline them, and um, and unfortunately, because of errors on my behalf, it ended up differently. You know, so um, I've accepted the facts to that and um, just been moving forward since.
0: Take me through kind of the step-by-step like, step, what happened on your end when you first see publicly everything coming out.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I want to say it was a, either a Tuesday or Wednesday I had got the call. Um, I had just actually the week before, that Thursday, um, a grand jury had voted to not um, press charges. So um, after doing their investigation and hearing me speak and speaking with whoever else they needed to speak with, um, they was able to come up with that conclusion not to pursue any charges uh, because of the evidence. And uh, so when Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday come around and I get a call from um, my lawyer and uh, he's telling me that the the grand jury are coming back to reconvene, to make another decision, it kind of just, it really kind of threw me off completely. And uh, of course I knew that it was going to be a guilty charge because you don't come back to say no bill again, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, I was able to kind of get myself prepared for it. You know, I, I understood um, where, where it was coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was way bigger than just me, you know, it was, it was way bigger than just me, you know? So, um, when I got the news, I, was, I had just finished up with practice. I actually got a call from my uncle, um, Chris, who actually was my assistant. And um, he pretty much gave me the rundown on what was about to take place, you know? So, um, you know, I ended up going to the house and um, just kind of sitting back and just, just waiting for everything to kind of hit the fan.
0: I know you well enough to know you can be an opinionated guy and have strong feelings Mm -hmm. on certain subjects how hard was it for you at the time to avoid speaking out
1: it was hard it was it was was really hard um it really was hard um, because for the simple fact of how things transpired i went from from you know okay this is behind me now um to a couple of days later, bam, it's, you know, it's right there all being painted across the world. It was hard for me to sit back and hold my tongue because there was a lot of moving pieces that were at play. And um, I wasn't able to sit back. I wasn't able to kind of voice, you know, my opinion and how I felt and to point out different things. Having gone
0: through everything you've went through over the past couple of years since the incident, what do you think you've most learned?
1: Um, just not to be judgmental towards people. Uh, because, you know, a- after going through it, you know, um, and just seeing other people, you know, go through different situations as well, you know, just like, man, you know, you should really find out the details and, you know, before you sit there and start, you know, persecuting people and, you know, judging people. Um, so that was the biggest thing that I took from it, you know, is to, you know, don't be judgmental. Just leave it up to the one person to judge.
0: NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. I, I know originally you were um, disappointed when, prior to the meeting that you guys had, he had come out and said you failed to show meaningful remorse. Yeah. Um, what do you think about how he treated you through the process?
1: Mm, you know, um, you know, I, I know people in high ranking positions, they have a role to play, you know, um, and I and I understand that, you know. Um, so, you know, he played his role. Which was what? The commissioner of the NFL. I feel like political people at different positions, you know, um, there's a lot of strings attached, you know, um, to them, you know, so, you know, there's different things that they probably feel, you know, of course that they will say and um, let let that be known. And there's certain things that they are, you know, forced to say as well. And I understand that, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, but I do, you know, and I don't know if he was forced or, you know, that's how he felt, but um, I wasn't in agreement with what he said and how, you know, and how he felt. But at the end of the day, um, that didn't stop me or slow me down from you know, could, you know, controlling and doing the things that I needed to do.
0: How much do you think your punishment was influenced by what happened with Ray
1: Rice? Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely had a lot to do with it. Um, a lot to do with it. Um, it was, <laughs> you know, I really um, could go into depth about it, you know, but, you know, I'm, I don't even want to go there. You know, but it it definitely it played a role. Um but I understand that. Like I get it. I understand that it's, it's bigger than Adrian Peterson. You know, it's just it's, it's politics. Um You think the punishment was fair? The punishment? Um No nah, nah, not really. You know, um I, I I missed an entire season, you know. Um you know, I was I was judged before I was actually judged. <laughs> You know, um, but I'll i accept it. You know, because it didn't break me, made me a stronger person, smarter, more wiser individual. Um, you know, I was actually able to see people, a lot of people, for who they who they really are, um, which the, is all the
0: good and the bad.
1: Yeah, the good, the good. Yeah, the good and the bad, definitely the good and the bad. And but not change the way I feel or act towards that individual. Just. Um, just having the knowledge of knowing is, is what I was able to take away from it.
0: At that time, what did you think the likelihood was that you'd end up back with the Vikings?
1: Mm-hmm. At that time, um, I always knew inside that I would end up back with the Vikings. Really? Yeah, like,
0: you know, when I, said, I thought you were like heated at the time and you wanted out, out uh, to like change the scenery.
1: And I, I was, I wanted to change the scenery. I wanted to switch it up and just do something different. Um, not only because of the Vikings, but it was like the state of at the time, like the state of Minnesota. You know, like a lot of people had so much to say and didn't know anything about the situation. Well, and know.
0: the governor, what did he say? I mean, he came out and made yeah really strong remarks yeah. against you.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny because the guy said, I'll, "I'll prepare, you know, um, a table for you to dine amongst your enemies," and it's, it's so funny. At the end of the season, towards the end of the season, I got invited to the, the governor's mansion to come over for tea, me and my wife. And uh, so I accepted it to, to do that.
0: At the end of this past season? Yeah. Really? After, I mean, what did he, he called you but a, like the, a public embarrassment or so, something like that at the height
1: of I don't, all I, this was going on? I don't know, uh, but I, I got invited and we actually haven't set it up to go, but they sent out the invitation and I was like, hey, you know what, I'll, I'll get back and I'll let you guys know. And I was like, yeah, of course I'll go have, have, have dinner, tea, or tea, with the governor. When you
0: got that invitation, what are you thinking about after, you know, some of the comments that were
1: made when everything was going on? You know, people are entitled to their, you know, opinion. Um, So, you know, let them say what they have to say. You know, um, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you don't know me. (laughs) You don't know anything about me, you know, so how could, can you judge me, you know, just based off this face value, you know, image that you see, you know. So, um, so you know, like I was saying, so it was, you know, the, the state of Minnesota as well, you know, but the fan base, you know, uh, was great. You know, they, they, a lot of support, you know, it was just more like the media outlets and, you know, just digging into different things and just, you know, just like negative stuff sales, you know, and it's unfortunate. That that's the case, you know.
0: So I have to ask this because a couple of years ago, when we sat down, you brought up the interest and said, "You wait, I'm going to be in the Rio Olympics." <laughs> um, so when actually the suspension w- was going on, tell about the Olympics plan you started to consider.
1: Yeah, I actually uh, thought thing about going and running, and um, I wanted to run the four hundred and the two hundred um so start doing a little training and stuff for you know for that and this isn't a joke I, I mean
0: this is like legitimately you were yeah like gonna yeah do this right yeah it wasn't a
1: joke right. I, I was dead serious dead serious about it um, so it was just for me um it was therapeutic to be able to get my mind off of, you know, a lot of stuff and to do something I love as well. You know, track was my, you know, my second love. You know, I've always had, um, you know, been gifted with with speed. And and you won medals in
0: high school. Your mom did, I mean, was amazing in high school and track, had a scholarship to the University of Houston, would have probably been in the Olympics, if not for, uh, you know, getting pregnant. So you have the, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, it. yeah, I have DNA, you know, uh, second in state. Um uh, Ivy Williams, I'm sure a lot of people that that know his name. He uh he actually run for the, for USA, you know, now. And uh I don't I don't know if he qualified this year, but uh he was the guy that beat me in state, you know, hundred and forty pounds, um by like he was probably hundred and sixty pounds. I was right around about like 208, 210. And uh I think I was like a ten two 10, 3. and um, uh, you know, he he beat me for first place in 100 and 200.
0: Beyond deciding what you would compete in, explain how detailed your plan got.
1: Uh, it, it, it got got pretty detailed, you know. Um, I let Cooper kind of draw up a format and uh, Cooper being your yeah, James trainer. Cooper, my trainer um, of what I wanted to, what the workouts would entail, and uh, so you know I started off doing it and just kind of kind of just let it go with, you know, once I got focused back on football and, and um, the things that I was trying to accomplish for the upcoming season, uh, kind, of, it kind of went by the wayside.
0: What made you decide against it?
1: Uh, we well, you got the little bug virus that's is, is going on down there. Uh, but it, I really just couldn't de- dedicate the time, even if, excuse me, even before that, um, everything took place over there in Rio. Um, I just didn't have the time to dedicate to it, you know? So I wasn't gonna be fully committed, so there was no point of doing
0: it. I wanted to talk to you some about the amount of adversity you've had to overcome in your life. It's kind of both amazing and kind of sad too. I mean, your best friend and your brother, uh, you know, Brian was killed by a drunk driver riding his bike right in front of your eyes. Um, You know, your uh, dad was incarcerated for much of your youth because of dealing drugs. Your stepbrother the night before you're supposed to work out for NFL scouts is shot dead. Your two-year-old son, you know, is killed. You have nearly career-threatening injuries in the NFL. You're later suspended for a near basically a year by the NFL. I mean, so you've been through a lot of really significant trying stuff. How have you found you cope with adversity?
1: I found that, um, you know, adversity, is, it builds character because uh, in the midst of the adversity that you're going through, or a situation that you're dealing with, you know, you're you're challenged to do um, two things, you know, um, approach it with positive, you know, um, vibes and mindsets and decisions, or, you know, vice versa, you know? um, So since I've experienced those type of adversities since a young age and me knowing the way that I responded to those situations and the outcome because of the, of my actions and how I chose to respond to those situations, what I was able to reap, um, I've been able to continue that pattern throughout my life uh, with different situations that you know that you spoke of. So, you know. Um, you know, I sit back and I know that the platform that I have, um, I know God is, is using me to to minister to whoever will listen. You know, um, because there's people that sit back and say, "Man, you know, like, how do he go through you know this or go through that and you know still come back to be on top?" You know. Well, right, and this
0: is kind of a weird question to ask because there have been so many really amazing and really positive things that have happened to you and you've had so much success Um, but to what extent do you ever wonder why also there have been so many terrible things that have happened over the years as well
1: Mm -hmm. you know you never know what life will you know throw at you you know there's a lot of things that you can't control you know um, there's a lot of things that your decisions that you make will bring upon you as well, you know, um, before you realize it. And then you gotta shape back and refocus and lock back in to doing things the right way, you know? Um, but I don't know you, take the, you know, you take the good with the bad and you know, you react to it in a positive way. You just, kept, you just keep pressing forward. That's you know, ultimately, ultimately what you have to do. You know, you, you see so many people fail um, in life and accomplishing our goals because adversity hits and knock them down and they stay down. You know, we need to get more people to be able to get hit with, get rocked and shook with adversity. No matter what the situation is, we need them to be able to get back up and keep pressing forward um, until they see and accomplish you know, what they had set forth for themselves. When your
0: brother Brian passed away, how did it impact you?
1: It was devastating. You know, I cried so much, I had had no more tears to cry. You know, um, just seeing my mom and how she responded to it. You know, my mom cried for a year straight. You know, I sat up at night and couldn't sleep, just sitting there listening to my mom cry going in you know you know hugging her laying her where letting her know that anything is gonna be okay, you know it really pushed me to be grow up fast, you know, just to be there for her, um you know, try to help be her backbone during that time when she was you know fragile um you know, so it was decisions that I made you know hey, my brother was way he was he was more talented than I can even imagine you know to be you know I could never beat him anything speed you know anything smart bookworm you know so for me you know I said hey you know the things that I do going here for you know playing this football thing doing this football you know I'm going to do it in remembrance of my brother you know and um uh, I use that as motivation and um uh, to to always do good and to accomplish um you know, great things playing football to make my brother proud, you know? So uh, it helped me, you know, I, did, I wasn't bitter about it for, at all. For, for
0: a long time though, you wouldn't go to the gravesite. Yeah. Why
1: I, not? I, I haven't been in a long time. It's just, I don't know, it's just, you know, just the reality of it, you know, um, just going there and seeing his gravesite site with, the, with, you know, the name and the date and, You know, born this day, you know, died this day. This is something that, you know, I haven't been able to do for, you know, a long time. Because, you know, so you you still feel pain and, you know, um, there are different things that you deal with. Um, Even years after, you know, um, him, you know, being gone, you know. So that's uh, that's, that's pretty much the reason. What's the
0: single thing you most remember about him?
1: Oh, man. It's just... um, his eyes, you know, he had brown eyes, big brown eyes. Like, always uh, pretty. It's pretty smile, and just fast as lightning, thin, and fast as lightning. Like, I, I know if he was here, like he he would be in the Olympics right now. Like, bro, you know what? You just relax, cause you already know I'm gonna get first place. <laughs> so if you was wanted to compete for second, then you can go ahead and you know, you try out. But you know, I'm gonna take first.
0: And I understand you were down for a long while about that, but then almost at some point you almost had like an epiphany where you realized he would want you to continue to pursue your shared dreams of superstardom. So Mm -hmm. how have you found that motivating over the years?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, It's been very motivating for me. You know, um, always looking back and saying, hey, you know, I want to accomplish this and do this in remembrance of my brother. You know, what would he be doing if he was here now? You know, um, so I've always used use that as motivation to be able to, you know, overdo things and, you know, just work extremely hard to accomplish things, you know. But the one thing that makes me feel good about, you know, um, the, the situation with my brother being gone is that you know, he was he was young, he was eight at the time, and I know where he is, you know, like, there's no question where where he where he is, you know. Like he got his ticket punched, you know. And I'm still here, you know. I'm breathing the air, you know. But he has the ultimate the ultimate reward already, you know. The greatest accomplishment you can ever get, he has it, you know. So it's like I, I have to work. I have to work to get there. <laughs> I still have to work, you know. I got to fight through temptations. I have to fight this and fight that to get to where he is.
0: So this theme of this interview's uh, been, you know, overcoming adversity. And so I had one more uh, for you in the remaining moments, and that being your father's incarceration uh, when you were younger. I understand, like, even though you were never told what was going on at the time with regards to the drug dealing, um, you still knew. Uh, Explain
1: that. Yeah, you know. um yeah. You, you know, you see things that, you know, you know, like I was, you know, I'm smart, you know, I can put two and two together But I mean, you're still a kid. Yeah. But you know, when you, I knew where my dad worked, you know, I knew he worked at Walmart, you know, you know, like I seen traffic, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't traffic coming through the house. Cause you know, my dad wasn't on that level, you know, as far as having, you know, like, he wasn't standing on a corner and doing things like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he was locked up fed, so he was doing something, you know, very secretive, you know, obviously. Um, but there was telltale signs, you know, like, you got five cars, you wreck at Walmart, come on. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, you we're know, like, you know, buying this, we're buying that. Like, and I understood what it was and um, what exactly was going on.
0: Looking back now, being a parent yourself, how do you think um, the lack of his presence for a portion of your youth affected you?
1: Impacted me. Um, it just made me stronger, you know, because there was a lot of things that I just had to bite down on and, uh, you know, really get in line, you know, because my mom just hides me, but it's not like having that father there to do that, you know, and so there was a lot of things that I had to... Um, Getting in line with, you know, on my own. Now, when my stepfather stepped into the picture, you know, then you know he was able to, you know, implement that discipline and you know that father figure, um, you know, throughout the duration of you know my high school career, and and um, and so that was extremely helpful as well. But it made made me stronger. It made me a better, better man to be able to deal with some things on my own.
0: I think around the time he, he's gone, you start to stray a little bit, I think it's seventh grade and you get caught at school with marijuana.
1: Yeah, it's so funny because it was my first time, my first time ever trying it. It was just so random. I ended up getting like a little roach. Took it to school, um, went up to the restroom with one of my friends and lit it up. Two puffs come out, security guard coming down, and got caught. It took us a juvenile, suspended from school, returned to school, and um, that was my last time ever smoking. You know, my first time smoking, and you know, and nothing throughout middle school and high school, you know, I, I never did it, but that experience, uh, I'm able to look back now and say, man, you know, that kind of knocked me back straight, you know, because I had so much talent. And I was wasting it because of, you know, doing foolish things, you know? And so I missed out on my seventh grade year of sports and things that I was trying to accomplish. Um, but in the midst of that, my decisions were to not let this, you know, knock me completely off my path, you know? So you know what, you know what, mom, I want to I try to go to the Crosstown School just to be around a different crowd of people and to- um, You suggested that to your mom? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, this is trying to try and get a change of scenery. You know, um, and that's what I did. You came back that year, eighth grade year. We end up um, winning, winning district. You know, so and that's when that light switch kind of switched on. Like, okay, you know, this type of impact you can make if you really just stay focused on what you're trying to do and trying to accomplish.
0: Then I was going to say, what was it that made you start to really focus in on
1: mm-hmm. your goals? You know, just always always having that, um, you know, that vision of making it to the NFL. Like, I looked past college. You know, I didn't consider college. It was like, I'm going to play in the NFL. That's, that's the only thing I thought. I'm going to play in the NFL, 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 you know. So um, just having that mindset and then just going through things that I went through and up to the eighth grade year, that whole situation and how it shaped out. And, you know just having so many people in my background, like you know like my uncle here, he played for he went to the University of Texas. Um, you know, four prong old student there, uh, you know, got drafted by Washington Redskins, played uh, for about four, about four or five years. three, three to four years in the NFL. had a, another uncle that you know, played um, for Arizona Cardinals for you know, a little while, I will leave Brown. And so, you know, I had the right people and the motivation, motivation, and motivation around me to see that, you know, it's possible and it can happen. You know, so all those things always were in the back of my mind, in my head. Like my uncles did it. You know, I can do it too.
0: If a kid's watching this who comes from similarly tough circumstances, what would you want that kid to take from your story as motivation?
1: Um, the number one thing is to pray, you know, always keep God first in everything you do. You know, even, you know, I'm not saying make wrong decisions, but you know, you're human. So, and these kids are young, you're gonna make bad decisions. If, if it's something that you do, ask God to forgive you for it, you know, uh, start making right decisions, you know, always have him as the foundation that you, that you stand on, you know, no matter what decisions that you make you know, and you you make your decision based off of that, then you'll see yourself, you know, prosper. You know, when situations come, whether you you, you lose a a loved one, whether you didn't pass, um, you know, a class, so you have to sit out, you know, um, for four or six games, you know, whether, you know, you, you know, broke a leg or you you broke an arm or, you know, you got evicted from, you know, your, your house or, you know you don't have anything to eat. whatever the situation is, if you look at that and you say what can I do to make this better? you know how can I climb out of this hole that I'm in? And then you come up with that game plan and you stick to that game plan and have faith no matter who't no matter who doubts you or who don't believe in you. as long as you believe in yourself and you have faith, you praying constantly and asking God to lead you and guide you in all your ways, you can have faith in yourself, and you're going to accomplish so much, so much, no matter what path you take. I don't care if you got to go to Juco or Junior College for three or four years to accomplish a goal. You can get it done. There's so many different paths um, that you might have to take in whatever profession or whatever it is you want to do in life. There's so many different, you know, routes that you might have to take. And some of them might be quicker than others, you know? But it's like, are you gonna endure? Can you endure through the storm to be able to reap the reward? And that's what it boils down to. And if you're able to do that constantly, you know, then you will be successful.
0: Thanks for listening to my interview with Adrian Peterson. To hear more from the running back, including details on his diet of spam and syrup sandwiches, go to youtube.com slash Graham Bensinger And as always, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again for listening.